0: Well, happy Easter, everyone. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Yes. <laughs> we get one answer. <laughs> happy Easter, everyone out there. And uh, glad you could join us this morning. Uh, we're going to begin by reading uh, the Easter story from Matthew chapter 28. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman. Uh, The woman, don't be afraid, he said, I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead, just as he said, he, uh, he said would happen. Come, let's see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. As they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. In a moment, we're going to uh, hear from myself, but also uh, Pastor Jason and Rick and Jeff for our Easter message today. We uh, A few weeks ago, when we were doing one of our online meetings, decided we could do something different. Uh, because of the whole scenario here. And so we decided to take one message called the hope of the resurrection and then divide it into four points. And so each of us uh, took one of the points. And so um, we're gonna hear that in just a moment, but just a couple uh, announcements here. Uh, so you can continue, continue to join our online community on the Junction Church members Facebook page. And that is a Facebook page, which is uh, private to anyone who sort of attends this Junction Church so you can feel free to, free to share prayer requests or needs or things that you found encouraging or just chat back and forth. We have various midweek online gatherings on uh, Monday nights. Uh, Michael and Kara are doing their micro small group. Uh, Tuesday, uh, 1230, one30 I'm doing a class on hearing God. Wednesday, there is a ladies study from one to three o'clock, and then Thursday morning from 9.30 to 10.30 a.m., just a time for conversation and to hear God and to and just to pray into things, a time uh, where we can pray together. So you're right, welcome to uh, join any of those. More information and the links are available on our website and also posted on our Facebook. And if you need prayer for any reason at any time, you can just connect with one of the members of the prayer team Uh, If you don't know how to connect with our prayer team, just send a message to our church. You can just email junctionchurch at gmail.com, and we can get you connected with a member of the prayer team. Uh, Also, our food bank has been still active, and um, we're running that on Tuesday morning. And so if you know people who are in need, you can get them in touch touch with the church, and we can arrange that. Also, we are receiving donations on Tuesday mornings from 9 till 1 here at, uh, at the church. Also, just uh, because I know it's a big day for Ginny, happy birthday to you. Ginny, 18th birthday out there, uh, happy birthday to you. So at this time, we're going to hear from uh, just a few other pastors. Uh, we each decided to do about six to eight minutes So we're going to hear the first three points from the other pastors and then i'll come up and do the last point i haven't heard what they have to say yet so uh i get to join in with you and so we're going to play that at this time
1: what an easter this is i feel like we're in completely new territory trying to figure out how to stay connected as a church how to grow in our faith while we stay healthy and sane Obviously, there's a major drawback this year. We can't meet together. We can't gather together as the church. And I don't know about you, but I am feeling it today. I miss gathering with you. But it also gives us a new opportunity, an opportunity for all four of us pastors to preach together and to share it with all three sites. We wanted to each speak on a key aspect of Jesus' resurrection. So we're here. Each of us are gonna take about seven to eight minutes and preach one part of Jesus' resurrection, the good news that he is risen. The question we wanted to address was, how does the resurrection matter? How does it change things? What effect does it have on our understanding of Jesus? How does the resurrection affect our life right now? What effect does it have on our relationships? And how does the resurrection affect our hope in life to come? For me, the resurrection is the center of my faith. Everything I believe about Jesus is shaped by the fact that Jesus is risen. To the point that if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, I don't know that I'd even be a Christian, let alone a pastor. It got me wondering, just how does a resurrection affect my understanding of Jesus? For help with that, I've been reading and rereading John chapter 20, verse 24 to 29. It's only five verses, but it's been so helpful for me this last week. It's the story of Thomas, the disciple that is famously known as Doubting Thomas. The story happens at the end of John's Gospel. Jesus is risen, he has appeared to Mary at the tomb, and to the disciples later that Sunday evening, but Thomas had missed all of it. And in response he said, unless I see the nail marks or put my finger in his wound in his side, I will not believe. It's key here to think about what Thomas is is saying, to give some thought to what's behind his words. Essentially, he doesn't believe. He has spent three years with Jesus and despite everything that Jesus has taught him, despite everything that he has seen Jesus do, he doesn't believe. He's actually, he doesn't actually believe that Jesus is the Messiah or the Savior. That's interesting for me because for all four gospels, they spend 90% of the story talking about what Jesus did before the resurrection. The stuff that Thomas saw firsthand. And so if we don't believe that Jesus rose again, then those stories just become neat stories. Maybe stories of a great teacher, or a kind rabbi, or a powerful miracle worker, or even a powerful prophet. But without the resurrection, Jesus is a lot of good things. But Thomas, as we see in this story, he's hard pressed to say that he is the Messiah, that he is the Savior, that he is the Son of God. But then on the following Sunday, Jesus appears to them. He meets the disciples in the room. This time, he comes almost exclusively for Thomas. Now, it's true, he greets everybody with, peace be with you, he says that to the whole room, but then he goes right to Thomas to address his doubt. He answers exactly the conditions that Thomas set the week before, telling Thomas to look at his hands where the nails were, telling Thomas to reach out his hand and put his finger in the wound where he was pierced with the spear. These seem like funny things for Jesus to say, but he's not only addressing Thomas's doubts specifically in that moment, he's also addressing all of our doubts here now. Jesus is not a ghost. The disciples didn't get a sense that he was in the room. They weren't all imagining this together. Jesus is risen and he is physically there with them. Jesus is not a ghost, he is the risen Lord. That's when Thomas blurts out, my Lord and my God, which shows us first Thomas's faith, that he finally and truly believes. But not only that, he calls Jesus my Lord, which is significant. And he also calls him my God, which for a Jewish man to call anybody other than Yahweh God was scandalous. When you realize that, what Thomas has said here, you realize just how important Jesus' resurrection is. Thomas is also often called Doubting Thomas, but he actually makes the highest proclamation about Jesus in any of the Gospels. He finally gets it. Jesus is more than a good teacher. He's more than a nice rabbi. He's more than a powerful prophet. He is the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God. And that changes everything. Not only does a resurrection help us see, different, see Jesus differently, it helps us see the gospels differently. Indeed, the resurrection helps us see all of scripture differently. No longer just a collection of legends or myths, but now God's, it becomes God's grand story of salvation for all of humanity. And most of all, Jesus' resurrection helps us see the cross differently. Now the cross is not just the execution of a charismatic Jewish leader. Now we see it fulfills the sacrifice that the, that the Messiah had to make that the prophet Isaiah spoke about hundreds of years before Jesus was even alive. With the resurrection, the cross becomes not a shameful death, but the glorious example of God's sacrificial love. With the resurrection, Jesus goes from martyr to sacrifice, the sacrifice that ends all sacrifices, atoning for our sin, taking our place, setting humanity free from sin, and reconciling us to our Father in heaven. With the resurrection, the cross is not a prophet's defeat, but it is the victory of God, that on the cross, Jesus has defeated death. On the cross, Jesus has defeated sin. And on the cross, Jesus has defeated Satan. Without the resurrection, the cross is a sad story of a poor Jewish rabbi. But with the resurrection, the cross becomes a watershed moment in human history where God sacrificed himself for our sake, giving us not only life, new life, more full right now, but life more full that goes on forever. But I'm getting ahead of myself. The resurrection is the turning point of the whole gospel. Through the resurrection, we see that Jesus is more than a great teacher revealing great truths. He is a good, he is God in human flesh, revealing God to us. Through the resurrection, we see that Jesus is more than a powerful prophet. He is a savior that all the law and the prophets point to. In fact, he is the one the whole Bible points to. Through the resurrection, we see that Jesus is more than a misunderstood rabbi. He is God's Messiah, who had to suffer on the cross to bring about new life for us all. He is God the Son, worthy of praise and worship. The amazing thing is the resurrection means even more than all of this. It means new hope for new relationships. It also means hope for life eternal. And as Pastor Rick is going to tell us in just a few minutes, it also, the resurrection matters for life right now, the way that we live.
2: Good Easter morning, faith family. My name is Rick. I'm the student ministry pastor at the Nelson Covenant Church. Jason has already provided for us a great foundation for what resurrection hope is. And the questions I'm asking are, how does the resurrection of Jesus provide hope for our life? What difference does it make for you and for me today? In 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul says this about the resurrection. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Paul admits that if the resurrection of Jesus did not actually happen, then our whole faith is for nothing. Then there is no hope outside of our current reality. He goes on to say that if that's the case then you may as well eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow we die live for the weekend or yolo you only live once and then there is no more if this is true then death has the final say to our existence without resurrection fear is what dictates our life and fear of death is what ultimately drives us as people we can see this in how many people panic and respond to the current crisis in our world it is because of fear that people do things like hoard food and other essentials and i'll admit if death has the final say then i too would panic and be fearful but what if what if the resurrection of jesus actually did take place well, friends, then that changes everything. Paul continues, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. This is the good news. This is the hope that our whole faith hinges on and i believe it i believe that jesus died for you and for me and i also believe in this easter miracle that he rose from the dead so what are the implications of this grand truth claim for our life and how does it give us hope today i want to share two thoughts number one The resurrection means that death does not have the final say and fear no longer rules our life. In the same chapter I just read from, Paul says that because of the resurrection, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? This is a hope that completely transforms our outlook on life. Because death and fear do not have the final say, this means that wars and economic crises and famines, and yes, even viruses like COVID-19 do not have the final say either. Jesus has overcome death and his power drives out all fear. Furthermore, all those who place their faith in Jesus have the promise of also being resurrected into eternal life one day. This means that the notion of YOLO is a lie. It means that suffering and those who have disabilities and diseases have hope that their broken bodies do not have the final say. And it also means that when we grieve over the loss of someone that we love, if they are in Christ, it's not a final goodbye, but rather a see you later. I have hope in the resurrection because it means that death does not have the final say and fear no longer rules my life. Number two, the resurrection means that new life is possible. Scripture promises that after death, we who are in Christ will join him in eternal life. And while that is the most amazing promise ever, God is also in the business of already resurrecting dead things into new life in the here and now. Death and resurrection are woven into creation. Take, for example, a caterpillar, which literally dies in its cocoon as it dissolves into a liquid. But it is resurrected a beautiful butterfly. Jesus gives us another example from farming in John 12 verse 24. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. When we place our faith in Jesus, he invites us to die to our old sinful self so that we can become new creations in Christ. The Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life, through Christ Jesus, our Lord, Romans 6 23. See sin is everything that places us out of harmony with God's good design because of sin, death entered the world, but sin also brings death and dead ends into all kinds of areas of our life. It can bring death to our self worth, our identity, our dreams, our sense of purpose and our relationships. Sin can consume us and lead us down destructive patterns, selfish ways of thinking and living. It can trap us. And because of a broken world, we also encounter dead ends through job losses, financial difficulties, feeling trapped by anxiety, depression, mental illness, addictions, and other difficult circumstances that leave us feeling like there's no way out. But in all these kinds of manifestations of dead ends and death, Jesus can breathe new life into. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 4, it says, Jesus came to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the good, the year of the Lord's favor. Because our God is in the business of creating a way where there was no way, and bringing dead things back to life the resurrection provides hope both for eternal life and for our life today friends christ has risen he is risen indeed rejoice and live in newness of life because the spirit of god who raised jesus from the dead lives in you romans 8 11 amen
3: Good morning everyone happy easter happy resurrection sunday this is jeff strong coming to you from the nelson covenant church and i'm praying that despite the current situation that we find ourselves in that god will encourage our hearts this easter season we've heard jason share how the resurrection provides a foundation for our hope and we've had rick share how the resurrection offers hope for each of our lives and i'd like to talk about how the resurrection offers hope for our relationships with others in second corinthians 5 paul addresses this dimension of jesus's resurrection he writes these words he says from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view though we once regarded christ in this way we do so no longer therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation the old is gone the new is here all this is from god who reconciled us to himself Who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The resurrection of Jesus gives us hope for our relationships, especially ones that are marked by tension, pain, disappointment, and wounding. In verse 16, Paul says that in light of the resurrection, Christians no longer regard others from a worldly point of view. Through the resurrection and outpouring of his spirit, Jesus gives us new eyes to see others in light of their worth and value to God. Whether they're believers or not, every person in your life takes on a deepened significance and worth because God's heart is for them. God's heart is that no one should perish, but they should all come to find life in Christ. When we surrender our lives to Jesus, God begins doing heart surgery on us and he takes hearts that were hardened against others and he begins installing his compassion and his kindness within us. Now, that obviously doesn't mean that we're never going to be bothered by, frustrated with, or angered by other people. But it does mean that in a new way, God is at work in us. And God is at work through us to become peacemakers who, as much as it depends on us, seek to rebuild relationships that are now marked by the fruit of the Spirit. And this means that relationships that have been marked by division, pettiness, pain, can absolutely be transformed through Jesus' power. I've seen it. I've experienced it. It means that strained relationships can come to a place of peace when we cooperate with Jesus and commit ourselves to reach out and seek reconciliation with others, the way that God has done towards us in Christ. The story of Peter's cowardly, self-serving denial of Jesus is a really heartbreaking example of a person completely flaking out when it matters most. But Jesus' reinstatement of Peter is really good news, and not just for Peter, but for all of us, because Jesus knows the immaturity, the foolishness, the selfishness of our hearts, and he still invites us into renewed relationship with him, because he has a new creation agenda for us, and for our relationships. And that means Jesus is working to ensure that the failures, the wounds, the brokenness of our relationships don't have to be the end of the story. They don't get the final word. In our marriages, in our families, in our workplaces, for any relationship in our lives, there is resurrection hope. Christians are ambassadors of the resurrected Jesus. And part of what this means is that we're seeking to do in our relationships with other people what God did between us and himself. We move into strained and difficult relationships and ask God to raise them from the dead as a testimony to his glory and goodness. This often takes wisdom and patience and work, but the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now at work within and through us to fulfill this kingdom agenda of reconciliation. This Easter, how is God calling you to be an ambassador of reconciliation Within your relationships, God bless.
0: Awesome. I guess I guess I get the last uh, last eight minutes. <laughs> the point that I was supposed to bring is how the resurrection brings us hope for our future. How it brings hope for our future, and the resurrection brings hope for our future, because we realize uh, that this life is not the end of our story, uh, that no matter how difficult it gets in this life, this life is not the end of the story, that Jesus Christ, because of his resurrection, it means that we have, we have life eternal, and we need to see our life beyond the 20 or 40 or 80 years here, but our life, is in, is, it's an eternal life. And in the grand scheme of things, uh, in Christ, we're doing really, really, really amazingly well. And it doesn't matter if you've lost money in your investments or you're not doing well in your health or your relationships are broken, or even if you're on your deathbed. In the large scheme of things, in Christ, we are doing very, very, very well. There's a story in the Bible in John chapter 11 when uh, Jesus comes upon this funeral scene, the funeral of his good friend Lazarus, and he's, he's talking to, to Martha and says, I am the resurrection and the life. And we know he's the resurrection because he, he, he rose from the dead. This is, this is serious. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And so even if the, you know, the most scary thing we could maybe think of is our own death. But Jesus says, because of the resurrection, because he is the resurrection, even though we die, we live. That we realize that in Christ, that death is not the end. It is just like walking through a door into a whole new reality that is eternal and amazing and good. So again, um, we need to see our life in the terms of not, again, just these, these short years. Um, I mean, I, I heard of a, a, a young kid, six months old, passing away this week. I mean, sometimes life can be very short. Sometimes you get your 80, 90 years. But, but that is not our life. Our life is, is actually eternal. It says in John chapter 10, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. I mean, that's what has to fill our mind that we actually will never perish. We die, but we live because of the resurrection that, that, that no matter how hard life gets here, we can have hope and we can live with joy because we know that whatever pain we're facing here is not the end. And it's not the end of the story. I mean, I could dig in my pocket right now and find a a chunk of dust it's probably dust in my finger from my pocket, but I don't know if you can see it there, but probably a speck of dust there. And if I were to paint that little speck of dust black, uh, and I took that piece of dust and I, and I threw it in a big pile of dust, like all the dust from the universe and all the sand on, in the entire planet in a huge pile, and I threw that little black piece of dust in that gigantic pile, I wouldn't say the whole pile is black. I would say, no, the pile looks tan. I wouldn't even be able to see that speck of dust. And that is our life, in the midst of our eternal life. And so no matter how hard things get here, in the grand scheme of things, we're doing super duper amazing. In fact, Paul said this. He said, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal us later. That this life can be very, very hard, but we have an incredible future ahead of us. And this should bring us joy. In fact, uh, there's a little story in Hebrews that says this. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. Now here are folks who had their properties taken away and they had joy. (laughs) And I don't know about you, but... Someone took my property away. I don't know if I would have a lot of joy, Uh, but these people did. And you might ask, well, how in the world could these people have joy when their stuff was taken away? Well, the answer is here. Because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. That Their property was only part of that little speck of dust, but their lasting possessions was a pile bigger than we could see for all eternity again We must not just look at our life as our life here. Our life is an eternal life. It keeps going and going and going and going. Another way to illustrate it is this. And I've used this before here. Uh, I think I saw it online somewhere, but it's using a long rope. And I don't know if you can see this little red speck here, but this little red speck is a picture of our life here. And, uh, and we, we try to make this life count. We try to make it important. That's a good thing. But sometimes there are hopes we have that, that aren't fulfilled here. Sometimes there are dreams that can't quite come true or we just can't get ahead or there's struggle or depression or suffering in, in this life. But we must realize that this is not our life. Our life is an eternal life. Our life actually when we die, it just, it just keeps going. We live in Jesus because of the resurrection. It goes on and it goes on and on and on. So maybe in this life, you've always wanted to play the guitar and you, you can't get around to it. I tell you, you have all eternity to learn how to play guitar. Uh, maybe if you wanted to, to travel to exotic places and, and, and you've never been able to do that because you have no money. Well, you have all eternal to travel beautiful places in this universe and, and on the new earth and it keeps going and going. And sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that eternity is only spirit. We think that eternity is just going to be like one endless church service. And we might say, you know, I'm not into this billion year long church service thing, you know. But heaven is far more than that. I mean, heaven is actually, uh, there's physicality to it. Um, it says in, in the scripture that because Jesus rose from the dead, so will we. But that when Jesus rose from the grave, he actually rose in a physical body. People hugged him, touched him, he ate. Um, And and so too we, we will actually have a physical body in in this eternal life. And not only will we have a physical body, but we're gonna be living in a physical world. The Bible talks about the the new earth, which is gonna be physical. And so don't think about heaven in terms of an endless, you know, boring church service. Uh, Think about an amazing church service, yes, but also think about time in your garden. Uh, a beautiful hike in in nature. Think about uh, hanging out with good friends. And and just think about anything that is beautiful here, but think about it being better. Think about this world and all the things that are amazing in this world, but without suffering, without pain, without sorrow. That's what our eternal life is in Jesus. I tell you, this life is not the end of of your story. So if we go back to that little red red chunk, uh, we can have hope because if we don't get everything packed in there, We have all eternity with each other and with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit uh, to to continue to be creative and to continue to learn and to continue to dive into the depths of God and, and each other. Our future is looking amazing. This life is not the end of our story because of the resurrection. So Father, we just thank you for the resurrected Jesus. We thank you for life, eternal We thank you, God, that you give us hope now, you give us hope in our relationships, and you give us so much hope for the future. We thank you for the resurrected life in us right in this moment, how it transforms and how it blesses. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.